3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Premier League Daily on Sports Social. We are the only podcast giving you Premier League news every single day. And it is the second weekend of the Premier League. For some of you, that means that maybe we're back down to reality. The opening weekend is done and dusted. But for the other half of us, it's the first time we get to see our teams at home this season. So we are super excited. And joining me in the studio to talk all things football and Premier League this weekend, we have... Will from Sport. good evening Will.
2: How are you, you well?
3: Yes, yes, very excited, very excited to get back to the Etihad, (laughs) very excited. And we have Sam who is the Man City correspondent for The Athletic, good evening.
4: Good evening, hello.
3: Hello, and we are joined by producer Fergal who's going to keep us all in tow here I think.
4: Hopefully, hopefully that's the way the evenings going to go.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, welcome, gentlemen. Welcome to a new season. And as I say, for half of us, we were able to watch our teams at home last week. For the other half of us, it is the first time seeing our teams at home this weekend. But before we get into that, looking back to last weekend, what did we learn did we learn anything can you learn anything from the first games of the weekend or is it just all hit and miss about what's going to happen when you come back to a new season
1: uh good question um i think in the mo- in the most part for most teams i don't think you can learn an awful lot because you know teams are put together over the summer there's new players coming in might be new managers might be you know new leagues for the promoted teams and you you need to wait and see how things are going to go you know there's some teams i would probably say they weren't the top three last season because Spurs dropped down but Spurs, Liverpool and City I think you know what you're going to get there's continuity there the managers have been there a long time the players have been there a long time they've made one or two additions but you know they've got a set playing style and that's why they've been successful so I think for those guys they started off as you'd expect with big wins and then everyone else I think United, Chelsea and everyone below that even Wolves, Leicester the team go- gun in for the top six you know they can never be too sure what's going to happen from one season to the next. So, yeah, it kind of depends on who the team is, really.
3: So we're not writing Chelsea off yet, or is anybody writing Chelsea off? I think they're
1: Chelsea quite good, off. actually. I think they might
2: be right. think Yeah, I think Wednesday was a testament to that as well, apart from at the back, which I think we'll get onto a bit more going forward. They're absolutely fantastic. And I just wonder how long Lampard will keep gambling with the youngsters, especially in the Premier League, because I think there was a lot of talk of bringing Giroud in for that Man United game where he could have really linked everyone up. but. It's definitely an exciting project. If I was playing football manager, which I do a lot, I'd be managing <laughs> Chelsea. It's exciting.
4: Oh, really? Yeah, wow, that's nice a little. hell of an omission. Yeah.
3: It's, nice yeah. it's
2: a nice little project, I think.
3: Because they were talking on, on our show on Sunday night, and I think it was Adam who was pretty much writing Chelsea off after that one performance, mm. saying that they're never going to make the top four.
1: Mm. Well, they might not make the top four. Um, but that's one of the most interesting things about this season. It's a bit of a close shop, isn't it? I expect the teams I mentioned earlier to finish in the top three. But yeah, obviously, Arsenal, I think, were my favourites going into it. But you know, Chelsea have obviously lost against United. They lost on penalties the other night against Liverpool, but they looked much better against Liverpool. They gave Liverpool a hard time. Kante was back. He looked really good. Um, Pulisic looked good when he played as well. I think Mason Mount's good as well. He got a bit of criticism from Mourinho at the weekend, but I think he's good and they're going to grow into it. Tammy Abraham's probably not ready at the moment, but is he going to be ready in three months, three weeks? He might be. That's the whole point, you know. The good thing about Chelsea this summer, as Will said, the interesting project. Got to wait and see because these guys, yeah, there's no alternatives. You might as well stick with yeah. him. Yeah, they could play, they could play Giroud or they could play Battraye, but why not give Tammy Abraham a go and get him used to playing with those teammates? The kind of balls he's going to get in this Chelsea team and let him improve on the job.
4: But it's incredibly difficult, as, as both the guys said, of trying to gauge anything from the opening weekend, from, from Chelsea's performance against United. If we were talking about Chelsea getting beat 4-0 by United in the middle of the season, it would be disaster. And depending on results either side, it, it probably could be Frank Lampard getting his P45 uh, emailed over. I think based on the first weekend of the season, this is the madness of the first weekend of the season. This result, I'm not going to say kind of gets forgotten because, you know, you, you've lost 4-0 to one of your major rivals if you're a Chelsea fan. But... Frank Lampard is, is kind of given a, a little bit longer. And this is going to be the fascinating thing this season for Lampard. Anybody else in that position would be immediately under pressure. You know, we've chatted amongst ourselves and we chatted on one of the shows earlier this week of is Lampard going to be under pressure if they don't get a result against Leicester this weekend? Does that does that ramp it up? I just think he's in an incredibly unique position of his uh, stay in power and his stay of execution that will be given by the club will get longer and longer and longer. I know Chelsea are not known as being a sentimental club when it comes to managers, and, and Roman Abramovich has, has not been shy in sacking managers if they don't meet his, albeit maybe excessive, expectations at times. But I just think the case of Lampard is very different. What he has done for the club, he was there pre-Abramovich money, he was there right the way through their success, right the way through uh, probably over half a dozen managers, and he was a, a constant force for them. Um, I just think his the amount of time he'll get will be based on who he is rather than necessarily his results. And with regards to some of the young players that you mentioned, Mount obviously had him at Derby last year on loan. Abraham impressed at Villa last year. It's a huge ask when your hands are completely tied. If if they're in a bit of a mess in January, he can't just dip into the market and go, right, I'm going to get a few experienced heads in. Who's bodding around in Europe that I can bring in? He, he's trapped. There's, there's nothing that he can do. So, to say that he's been thrown in the deep end to be a bit of an insult to swimming pools, he's been thrown in the ocean in that sense because he he's got not he's not got any sort of wiggle room. But it will be the ultimate test of what he is like as a manager. Oh, I think so.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Strong defense. Yeah, Can't say there. fairer than that because yeah. you got good
1: you got good players, you got players with potential. Yeah, bit of a mix here, and like you say, you got the backing. A lot of the a lot of the yeah. thing with Chelsea is the fans because the fans weren't turn on him. Like,
4: no, and that's based unless they're like 15 yeah, In
1: February, though, and it's he, like, okay, this guy needs to go, but they're not going to be booing him, are they? Like, sorry, got last season. I
2: think no, the whole no, no, season's a free so. hit. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah really I've fine. got a
3: friend who's a Chelsea fan, and he said it doesn't matter. There's yeah. Whatever they do this season, that he's got free, he's got a free hit for the season. Yeah. yeah. Um. Other other results that were particularly interesting last weekend, I thought, was Brighton beating Watford at yeah three 0 You know, uh, you know mm. Watford were at home because Watford were a really decent side last year.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, again, the one of the questions going into this season is. You know, some people have predicted like Everton or Leicester to get the top four, let alone the top six. But
4: have they?
1: Yeah, well, you know. Not, I did on my predictions. Everyone. Who,
4: oh, well, there we go. who, who are you, you making friends with, Sam? Who yeah. are you having these crazy conversations with? Everton, well, top Just Twitter.
1: I and mean, there we go. I didn't yeah. realise we were well, in the room
2: My introduction. My introduction to the sports social was my predictions going up in the first comment calling me a moron. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's my introduction. <laughs> but I went to Leicester 4th. And uh, Brighton <laughs> to get relegated in 20th, so I've not had need, the best start. Do
3: we need to like put a caveat here now that you're not a Leicester fan, in case anyone's like, "Oh, he's definitely a Leicester fan." I'm a Birmingham <laughs> City fan,
2: which is, I mean, uh, that's enough punishment. But <laughs> I, I just went bold. You know, you got to make a name for yourself. I like that. Controversy yeah. makes. Why cash. though? What,
3: what, what was your, what was you thinking on that?
2: <sighs> I, I just, I just think that they were, they were close. They were nearly there, but especially with Clawpool, he just didn't have the the dressing room there. And I know Maguire's gone, but everything that they've got. I mean, Jamie Vardy almost gets written off as, I mean, he's 15 goals a season for the last three, four years, so I, I don't know, just want a bit of bit of craziness. It's more it's more of a hope <laughs> than a, a, a prediction. Yeah. And they well,
3: gave you a nice nil-nil just to yeah, exactly. your, to yeah. your appetite. Yeah.
2: But yeah, so, but
1: what I was actually going to say, and probably try and destroy that argument completely, no, 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 is a lot of people are saying, you know, this could happen, but I'm, I'm not even sure any of them are going to get in the top six, because there's, a, there's just a big gap in consistency. So like Wolves last year were a really good side, but you yeah. know the, just for example, they lost twice to Huddersfield. And, you know, if you're going to finish in the top six, you can't get away with that. And like United United were basically awful for the first third of the season and awful for the last, still finishing the top six. Yeah. Whereas you've got teams like Wolves, you'd say, had a good season. And there was still a, a yeah. sizable points gap there. So that's what teams need to make up. And to tie that back to Watford, they could still be a good side this season, but they're not going to win every week. It was definitely a shock that they lost at home on the mm-hmm. first weekend. But that's kind of, that's the whole point, I think, about the teams like Watford... Leicester, Wolves, Everton, they're going to have these weird results. So they could still be a decent team. I saw De La Faye who had some kind of stomach bug. They're playing Everton this weekend, so that's always a mad game, the Marco Silver yeah. derby. You wouldn't be surprised if De La Feu scored a hat-trick in that because these are weird teams. But just to go back to last weekend, I think fair play to Brighton. They, I think they, they spent a bit of money this summer, but did did everyone who start the, the full 11, they were all at the club last year? Yeah, so it, just, yeah, it, just, yeah. it just goes to show, um, you know, the impact a new manager can have. And I think we might come on to Sheffield United later on. You could have an 11, well, a group of 11 players not necessarily jumping off the page as exciting. Obviously, like Lewis Dunk, people are paying attention a bit more to him now. But it's not an exciting 11. But if you've got a manager who knows what he's doing, can get them doing things interesting tactically. Last weekend, I think they played three at the back, you know, wing backs and that kind of thing. Possession football. If you get a manager who can do that, then you're going to win these games against, you know, marginal opponents who might not be quite as tactically detailed. Yeah. And I think that that was probably the key for Brighton last weekend. And it could be in, you know, this season. They might they might well not finish twentieth.
4: Well, one of the issues Brighton had last season, particularly towards the back end, they were just in a spiral. And any time you heard Chris Hutton speak to the media, he was just a case of, we just need to get the points to survive. We just need to get the points to survive. And, and you know, there's a little bit of dis, disconcert. They, were, with they were
1: just surviving, weren't they? It yeah, was surviving were every 90 on. minutes. Just yeah, let's yeah. get through it as best and we can. And I think,
4: you know, the age-old thing happened with them at the end of the season. They were saved by the fact there were three worst teams. That was probably the driving factor that pushed them away from, from actually going back to the championship. But with Potter coming in, and this is, you know, Sam was obviously taking a look at this game last weekend potter's very interesting um tactically what he did with austerson's was very impressive but then he came to swansea there's obviously financial issues with swansea he couldn't really you know make his mark on the team he's he's been given a bit of a blank canvas with with brighton in terms of the way they're going to approach games how do you see him differing from hutton
1: well when you when you mentioned Hutton there we talked about surviving I think that is a problem for the players and it's a, a bit like Mourinho at United last year I, I don't think the players hated Chris Hughton by any means not that comparison but if you're surviving in games and you're just trying to hang on and you're not playing great football it's so, isn't it so much more fun if a manager comes in and says we're going to play we're going to play to your yeah. strengths we're going to get the most out of you you're going to try and keep the ball you know not. it's not for every side you know if you took yeah. over Burnley they might say well we don't want to do that but there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of players out there who look at how football's being played at the top level now. Like everyone's playing out from the back. That United-Chelsea yep. game last week was funny in some
4: yeah, in yeah. some parts was, because was they were
1: trying mad to play out the back yeah. and they couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's the best teams. But if you've got a manager who can drill it into them, you can mm. do it even with teams in the bottom half. And I think that's probably going to be the difference. He's encouraging them yep. to play football. You mentioned Swansea. It could be the similar kind of season, whereas some weeks with Swansea, you know, I know reporters, um, Stuart James, who used to, used to work for The Guardian, he's a Swansea fan and he would always be glowing about them one week. Yep. And if you didn't follow them every week, you'd think, what's going on? Because some weeks he'd be like, oh, this is yep. a great performance. They had Dan James, obviously players like that. And then like three weeks later, he'd be saying, oh, this has been terrible. They played six games, haven't won any. So there's a bit of inconsistency there, which might translate to Brighton as well. But in this league, if you win three or four games in a row, at, you know, at any given point of the season, you're pretty much guaranteed to stay up. So if they can put a few wins like they did last weekend, they'll be mm-hmm. absolutely fine. And I think that'll be the difference. they probably got more... More ability to go on a run of wins, even if it's just two or three games.
3: And if you win 14 games in the row, you go on and win the league? Just, you know, saying, just, you know, pulling it back
4: there. You're not predicting that Brighton are going to push for the league. No.
3: That's... Hey, hey, will I, things Leicester I'm can like, finish for? I might
2: as well do that now. I'm just going out swinging <laughs> with my
4: predictions. It's just in case, obviously, anyone listening to this, they can't see how big Natalie's smile is at the thought of that. So we just, just want to make that absolutely clear. I,
3: I realise I didn't even introduce myself. It's my, my first podcast of the season. And so people might be like, who is this person? So I'm Natalie and I'm a Man City fan. I feel like that's some sort of confession, um, <laughs> if which it would have been 20 years ago, but it is not these days. Um, so anyway, Sam, I feel mm. like I can predict what you're going to say now. But I was going to ask you, so if we're looking back at last weekend's, um, a little bit of positivity in the air. Who who impressed oh. you or what team impressed you most last weekend?
1: Well, I suppose it was this, the same results, um, but two different ends of the scale, two teams we've mentioned already. So Brighton, I don't think we need to um, dwell too much on that just because we covered them quite a bit. Um also you know, they got signed Neil Mopai. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. But I think, yeah, I think yeah, so. the guy they got from Brentford, yep. he looks I mean he looked Big, he, he had a good season well, last year. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you don't need to have a superstar eleven if you've got a coach that knows how to get the best out of the players. So he's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Obviously he scored. And then to be fair, Burnley.
4: Yeah. Um, really, really. Everyone good.
1: was tipping Southampton yeah. to do well and they again they probably still might. Um they've got, you know, a good coach who's who's had time to settle down now. He's had yep. a transfer window. And all that kind of stuff. And then they just went north and got beat by the meat and potato football. But fair play to Burnley because <laughs> they just keep doing what they do. And, you know, again some teams, it's successful. Some teams, it isn't. Again, might get to that when they play Arsenal this weekend later on. But last weekend, it certainly was. Um, yeah, they're not everyone's cup of tea, are they? But they're still there. They're still doing their thing. And again, if anyone had predicted them to go down, maybe, you know, cause a few people to think that. again. Yeah,
4: I just think Sean Dyche is so effective uh, at certain periods of the game. And we saw that last weekend of just going now's the time to go for the jugular. And and he, and he sensed that against Southampton. And, you know, Southampton had a terrible away record last season. And I think sometimes the kind of the caveat of going to turf more and how difficult it is, I think that that's kind of changed over time. And and Sean Dice tries to play that down because he doesn't want to be known as just, you know, we'll make it tough for you when you come here. You know, he, he wants to have it as a case of, no, we'll we'll demand a certain level of football from you but I think his ability and you know to follow on from what Sam said that comes from experience that comes from knowing your squad from knowing your bench to know that at 60 minutes or 65 minutes or 70 minutes this is the time where I'm going to push and we're going to mm. turn this potential defeat into a draw or draw into three points and, and that comes from having time with your players and he's you know, he's steadily recruited over the summer, but generally speaking, he's got an enormous amount of faith in his players. He's got an enormous amount of faith in the way that he plays. And I think when you look at the likes of Graham Potter, obviously new man at Brighton, the promoted side, Chris Wilder with Sheffield United, which we're going to touch on in a few minutes, um, they they go you know, they they do well to look at the likes of Eddie Howe, Sean Dyche, and how what they've done with relatively meager budgets, but they've also looked to go, let's get a way of playing that suits us and gets the best from the resources that we have available.
2: I think last year as well, a lot of people are writing them off this year because of the form last year. But if you take that Europa League run, which I think cost them at the start of the season and they were almost playing catch up for, for the rest of the year. I think we, they always get written off and it's perfect motivation for Sean Dyche because he can just well, pin up my predictions or pin up someone else's <laughs> predictions and just use that as motivation because we're, we're small little Burnley, but we're going to keep chugging on.
3: And if we're going to be not so positive, you know, let's just you know, yeah. we'll be, be be negative for a, for a minute. Um, if we were thinking about, well, who didn't impress you last weekend? Will
2: um, definitely Kurt Zuma. Uh, Natalie, I'm six foot five. I play at the back. <laughs> I'm a bit of a lanky defender. So when I saw Kurt Zuma in action, sticking legs out left, right, and centre in the penalty box, even as a, a mere amateur like myself, I knew that was bad. Um, but he just looked absolutely clueless. He had Christensen next to him, who was, I don't know. Wet, with Liverpool, they've got Van Dijk and they've got Joe Gomez. So it's that experience guiding Gomez as well. But those two together, it was like Tweedledum and well Tweedledee together. So I I worry for them. I, I know Rudiger's coming back, so you thought one of them would be playing for the shirt and playing for the partnership. But um yeah, that back four, when you've got such an exciting proposition going forward, was, was a little scary if you're a Chelsea fan.
1: And it did cost them, didn't it? Like, massively. Because I was saying, well, in my personal opinion, I think Chelsea actually look all right. But... It it was that kind of tale of the penalty in the first yeah. half. Obviously, they got done that turn, after okay. the hour mark, yeah. but it was the penalty that was the first one and it was, yeah, just clumsy. But they almost, you know, they did it before. Zuma kind of gave a blind ball back to Kepa, which yeah. they they ended up keeping out. I think Martial took the shot first time. But, yeah, it's just things like that. But, again, that's kind of the situation Chelsea are in. With Rudiger coming back in, it's probably not going to be yeah. so bad. I mean, last weekend as well, I, mean, I know we didn't mention City in the... The people that improved us, but I'm kind of thinking, I was trying to think a bit more outside the box. Obviously, Sterling, <laughs> but then in terms of people who didn't play so well, and fair enough, it was against City, it's a difficult job playing against that midfield. But Jack Wilshire was just, yeah, he like he didn't, he's isn't gone, he? hasn't he? Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, all that potential, he's, he can still be like yeah. a decent Premier League player, but I mean, if anyone harbored any illusions that he could still. You know, be the Jack Wilson well, yeah, we hope to. Was,
2: there was that one time when he had like a five-yard pass in the in, when they were attacking and he just couldn't make it and he just looked so laboured. He, he, he just, just doesn't, doesn't look as if he can last beyond 65, 70 minutes
4: anymore. I think even when City were 3-0 up, West Ham kept giving him the ball and he'd go to turn and someone would be on him. And and obviously against the likes of Rodri, it's, it's obviously very difficult to, to get away from him and make space. But he just looked, as, as Sam said, he looked exhausted. Mm-hmm. He looked mentally and physically exhausted, which if you're a West Ham fan, you're looking and saying... You know, the perpetually injured Jack Wilshire, when's he going to be fit? When's he going to be the, the 17, 18 year old Arsenal Jack Wilshire? And that that dream seems to be getting further and further away. If it's if it's the first game of the season and he's as knackered as he looked, Manchester City or no Manchester City, it's not a good sign if, if you're a West Ham supporter or if you're Jack Wilshire. Mm, I'll,
3: I'll defend him a little bit because I think anybody would struggle playing against our, particularly our Man City's midfield, on the first day of yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah. Um, but do you think he is living off that kind of the tag that we he's had for so long now, yeah. the potential tag?
2: I think it's almost a bit of like, because West Ham have invested so much in him as well. Like Antonio came out off at half time and I yeah, thought he was yeah. having a fairly decent game. But it's almost like they've invested so much into him. They feel like they've got to get it back and like leave him on when in reality, he should be coming off.
4: And I think that's the situation. And as mad as it sounds for a manager of the experience of Manuel Pellegrini, every manager is is still kind of privy to these situations of who are you going to bring off, as, as, as Will said, in that situation? Mikael Antonio, who's viewed as a bit of a, an unorthodox forward or he can play in a variety of positions, or are you going to bring off the one player that if City switch off, he might be able to get a ball in behind the defence and get you an equaliser? Yeah. And and I think with, with regards to Wilshire, I think the reason why he's constantly living on this, as, as Nat said, of the age-old, when's it going to turn for him, when's it going to change for him, is that... West Ham bought into the idea that well all we've got to do is get him fit. This isn't like a yeah. player that you're talking about where there's an attitude issue. He seems to be relatively humble. He seems to be relatively focused on on being a professional. And I think when he when he went to West Ham, it was a case of all you've got to do is get fit, stay clear of injuries. You know we'll, we'll do everything we can to get you fit and keep you on the pitch. And Jack Wilshire has kept to his side of the bargain. But what's very very sad in these situations is that sometimes and you know we've seen this over the years. Players, no matter how much promise they have or or whatever level they reach sometimes their bodies just can't cope. And and they you know, they don't last really beyond twenty six, twenty seven. And I think Wilshire is falling right into that trap now. He's never going to lose his ability to to see a pass. But the signs in the first game of the season, as we said, are, are worrying. He's got another thirty seven league games ahead of him and now he doesn't have an injury issue. Pellegrini is going to play him and you know, his entire game at Arsenal was built on that drive. Get the ball into his feet. Can he shift through the gears? Can he get through the phases of playing midfield? And obviously up against the midfield like City is always going to be difficult, but there th- was very difficult to find any sort of spark of life uh, within him and, and, and within his performance.
3: Yeah, and West Ham have got Brighton this this weekend as well, so let's keep a little eye out. See see if Jack Wiltshire looks like he's a bit. Um, fresher, fresher for that game. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Of, of course. Uh, before we move on, I'm going to give Raheem a, a, a Sterling a shout out. I know that Sam said we're trying to look outside of the box, but why should we? No, no, this you're right. incredible. Definitely deserves a mention. Now he did I was not look tired. Well. No. Yeah, yeah. Sam's like, well, I'm the Man City correspondent. I should try <laughs> we'll and we're talking this, about him all this week. shows about the Premier League. No, I'm going to pull it back because he was phenomenal. Hat trick, you know, on the first day of the season. He is just actually getting better and better and better on the pitch off the pitch is I mean I'm just going to throw it out there and I know I'm the Man City fan but is there a better player in the Premier League just now based on form at the end of the season coming into the start
4: of the season no I think I think form I would agree I think he's absolutely bang on and just one little thing that I saw about I know this is Potentially a bit of clever camera work from from match of the day or however, but when Aguero took the penalty, missed, and then took it again and and scored, and obviously I don't even think there was even a conversation. I think that just got built up of a conversation between Sterling and Aguero about who was going to take it. I know, people did
1: mention it at the time,
4: but did it look as if there was a was there a chat? Did Aguero speak to him, or was it just a case of somebody messaged
1: me saying what happened there? Like, but was, and, was, and then was, they didn't celebrate, and then they didn't like obviously Sterling. He wasn't going to pass fair enough. He was on a hat trick for that. But then he was like, oh he didn't celebrate with Aguero or whatever. But, but. It,
4: there was a Did look. Not? No, well no. I think he just kind of went over. He didn't like they all ran into the corner. He didn't he didn't exactly chase after him. But there was just a look about him that, as I say, the camera flicked onto him after the, the second penalty went in, and you could just see <laughs> in his face that he was going to get that Let's goal. Let's not
3: start this rumour.
4: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, no, no. no, no I, I'm, the opposite. I'm dispelling <laughs> it. I, I'm, saying, the <laughs> yeah. I'm saying I think these things get built up out of nothing. I think this is just a situation of Aguero saying, well, I'm the penalty taker, I've just come on.
1: And they had it last year yeah. with Myra's yeah. Anfield. They'll be they'll be in established order now. Yeah. If, I'm more, I'm more there was power any... to
4: Sterling for saying, do You know what I'm not going to take that but I am going to get my hat trick which you did. Yeah yeah exactly. And
3: talking about that penalty that was retaken we are going to have a little chat about VAR a bit later on so we'll get all your opinions on that um you know and on the on the new rule about the um, you know keepers being yep. you not know, being allowed off the line for penalties and how might that affect us. Um but moving on um a big thing that have been on this podcast and a big thing in many of our lives is um, our fantasy football teams. Now I have before we you know, give you a couple of tips. I have a bit of a confession to make. I do not have a fantasy football team this year. I am not in a prediction league. I used to be I've been in a prediction league for about seven years where you go in and every every week you predict the scores of every team and um and I realized that last season it really obsessively starts to take over your life and you're like genuinely like studying tactics and statistics and making changes and getting worried about it. And I just thought, I just need to relax this season. So <laughs> I've not done one this season and I'm going to see how I feel in a few months to see if I'm missing it or if I'm okay. I feel like I might be in rehab, to be That's honest. It's a good decision, I think.
1: Um, think? That certainly makes yeah. sense. yeah. Friends, stress enough for these in. days.
3: Yeah, but have, have, you guys, have you guys still got your fantasy teams? Yeah, I feel locked yep. in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I'm fully Adics. on board with it.
2: Yeah, I'm in. Well, yeah. If, if we lose our league, uh, <laughs> it's um, a forfeit for the loser at bottom at Christmas, so Ooh. there's do a you know, lot riding on it this year.
3: How do you decide the forfeit?
2: Uh, it's going to be a very garish outfit for our regular Christmas night out, so I'll um, send the pictures in when it never to be our lose.
4: <laughs> very nice. <laughs> I just think everyone's still so focused in the first couple of weeks of the season. When we're doing the, the the prep for the for the podcast earlier today, and and Jim Salverson, who's who's our boss, everyone was just talking, talking, talking in the office about their teams, and I kind of looked over at Jim and thought, any minute now he's going to say. Can everyone do some work? And I just looked at his screen and he was changing his team. And I thought <laughs> only only this will last for the next few weeks. And then, you know, everything will start to settle down after that.
1: No, I don't know. It's like when we do city press conferences, we're sat at the front waiting for Guardiola to come in. There's normally two oh, or three you, of us sat, sat around changing <laughs> our teams on. Are the you front.
4: the excited good boy front of the class? always
1: oh, sit down <laughs> the front, yeah. It's a bit more personal down there. Isn't it? A bit of a better vibe. Could get a conversation going.
3: Right, so we got any tips then?
4: Uh, well, I've got one, and and I was chatting to someone about this before, and they were saying, you know, you have to tone down on talking about Arsenal. So, but you know, we're we're a good fifteen, twenty minutes into the podcast so far. And yeah, I haven't it, mentioned it, it, so so I'm going to go with it, and unashamed, unashamedly so. Um, Arsenal Burnley this weekend, I think it's it's one of them games where. Burnley going to come to the Emirates. They're going to make it very difficult for Arsenal. We're not going to get into too much detail about it now because we're going to chat about it in a few minutes. So my tip for fantasy football is, if you haven't got him in your team already, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And if you do have him in your team, vice-captain, captain, triple-captain, go, go Ooh. whole hog going on early him. on the triple-captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is,
1: going back to what Nat said, that's the first game this weekend. And if that goes wrong, oh, yeah. you're knackered. That could he's ruined weekend. your weekend. But if it goes right, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true, right but... he's got...
4: He's only played know, against Burnley it? three times <laughs> since he came from Borussia Dortmund. He scored twice in all three games. Scored against wow. Newcastle on the first game of the season. He looks sharp. So that yeah. that will be that sharp. will be my tip sharp. to uh, to vice captain him, captain him. And if you want to go mental because you know you're probably losing interest in fancy football by October, throw your triple captain in now. Go for it. Why not? Nice.
3: Nice. Right. I'm going to give you a tip as well. Back to my man, Raheem Sterling. Uh, Like, if I was going to have my team this year, I'd have Raheem Sterling starting every single week. And a little tip for you extra is that Raheem Sterling has been directly involved in six goals in his last six games for City against Spurs.
2: There you go. So he's sure fire
3: on for a goal or an assist there.
1: Yeah. Get him in. Difficult to back against that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yep, any other tips? What what were we talking about out there? Oh, you've got Alisson in goal. Oh, I
4: did. Oh, I did, Oh, you
3: both have.
4: Yeah, we were chatting about this before. If you've got Alisson, just in case you've been busy over the last few days, get
2: him out of the team. He's definitely not playing this weekend. Don't lose any any silly points on that. now, don't they?
1: Everyone knows he's out.
2: I'm just buzzing, so I've got Harry Kane, and he's dispelled the myth of not scoring in August with those two against Villa, so... I mean, a fantastic start as a captain for me so I hope he leads Meadow Park into glory for the rest of the year.
3: <laughs> well, good luck I'll find out from you in a couple of weeks how you are getting on and if you're pulling your hair out and <laughs> yeah <Definitely. laughs> or if I'm, and I'll be just, be, you know relaxing, chillaxing and actually <laughs> enjoying like match of the day and stuff this season um, so obviously, we as you know we've, we've said it before, it is the second weekend of the Premier League, you're going to, for some of us, the first time we'll be seeing our teams at home this, this season, um, so we're going to have a little look at some of the games this weekend, so Starting off, we're going to have a a little preview of the Arsenal-Burnley
4: game. So what do we think, gents? Um, Again, as I said before, with with Aubameyang being a key figure in this, Burnley were impressive, first game of the season. Uh, As I said, with Deich, always sets his sides up well. They're always defensively organised. The test is not going to be for Burnley. The test is going to be for Arsenal to, you know, the the new players that have come in. The majority of them have either played against Newcastle last weekend or are going to play this weekend. Um, It's going to be, how are you going to break these sides down? Unai Emery's you know, ladies' ladies' cards on the table at the start of the season. He wants to be, he probably has to get back into the top four uh, if he wants to keep his job safe for the next season or two seasons until his contract runs out. Um, and that's motivated the signings that he's brought in this summer. So this is going to be an enormous test for Arsenal because Burnley are going to come, they're going to be organised, they're going to be very, very compact. Arsenal's front line, particularly now with Nicolas Pepe coming in, is going to be very, very pace-orientated. But spacing behind the Burnley fullbacks, backs behind the two centre-halves, James Sarkowski and Ben Mee, both very experienced, is going to be an absolute premium. From an Arsenal point of view, if, if you were to take any sort of um, positive from the Newcastle game, it was the efficiency. The Aubame- uh, the Abamiang chance was the only really clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity for Arsenal. One chance, Abamiang goal 1-0. For Arsenal, that's hopefully a positive sign for the season that they won't be too wide open. One of the concerns with the issues we have in defence and obviously bringing in David Luiz, which could turn out to be a masterstroke or an absolute unmitigated disaster. I'd love to say I'm looking forward to see how that goes, but I'm definitely not looking forward to seeing how that goes. I could end up in hospital. <laughs> um, I just think Arsenal have to go and show in these games they've got the players to win. We know that, but that they've got the mentality and they've got the metal to, you know, if it gets to an hour or 70 minutes gone and Burnley are still drawing, that they don't give up, that they don't start giving away Mm -hmm. silly fouls, that they've got the faith in Aubameyang or Lacazette or Pepe to get that goal. So I'm going to tip Arsenal for a win. I don't think it's going to be an absolute thriller. I think Burnley will make it really difficult for them, as you would expect. But I just think that efficiency that Aubameyang showed against Newcastle is a really good sign for the season. Lacazette should come into the starting team and so should Pepe. Really looking forward to Mm. seeing him starting, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think... If there's one or two chances that fall to the right people, that'll be enough for Arsenal to win the game.
3: Yeah, they certainly look like they could have um, tremendous excitement going yep. forward this season, Arsenal. Yep. But do you think there might be any defensive weaknesses there that Burnley might be able to tap into?
1: Um, well, I mean, this is the this is the new Arsenal Stoke, isn't it? And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean yeah. that in any kind of disrespectful way to Burnley, um, but in terms of the old, this is Arsenal kind of lightweight fancy dance against a team that. Are very physical yep. and we will put it up. on this is the new game and fair enough. It's at the Emirates, so it's not going to be the same as if they're away from home. Um, but you know, same thing, same kind of thing as with with City. You know, but you know, City don't give away set pieces. That's why that's why they work so hard and not doing it. Arsenal not so much. Set set pieces could be a problem. The di- just the the pure direct football of if, yep. if they go too up front like they they sometimes do, Burnley particularly at home. Yeah. That You know, that could be an issue, being so direct. I mean, I I just think the chances, I think Arsenal's problem will be maybe creating chances. Fair enough, if Lacazette comes in and Pepe comes in, there's going to be a completely different kettle of fish, really. Mm-hmm. But last weekend, you know, that goal, didn't it just come from that mix-up with Newcastle yeah. sending on it was, Willems? It was and a
4: ball he, out to Williams and, but, and but Willems and Major just got off. The whole
1: thing with Willems, though, was he played centre midfield last season, yep. didn't he? And he came on in centre midfield. Yep. And nobody knew what the hell was going on because yeah. they thought he was supposed to be left-back and it was because of that whole confusion with yeah. Matt Ritchie and everything. That's that's the reason Arsenal got the ball back and scored the yeah. goal. And, you know, Burnley, pretty you know, they're they're more organised than that. Everyone knows their mistakes. roles in that Burnley yeah. team. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it's going to be different because of Lacazette and Pepe or whoever else starts. Maybe even Ozil as well. Um, yeah, but that that's what... I think it's a really interesting round of fixtures. They might not be all fixtures that jump off the page and go, this is going to be great. This is going to be worth watching much of the day tonight. But... They're all really interesting for loads of different reasons, and this is definitely... This is definitely one of them. Do
3: you know what I have I've got a, a confession to make there, I'm sorry Sam. I don't know if anyone else feels the same as me. I hate it when people call it round of fixtures, a round no, of I, games. God. It really bugs me. Do you know what? I've seen the Premier League social saying like that was round one
1: of But it is the- a round though, isn't it?
3: No, I hate it. It's, I hate it. It's like, like round one, round two, round three. It's just the game, it's just fixtures. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do I sound crazy?
1: Yeah. It's a round of fixtures.
3: <laughs> no, I don't like it.
1: Maybe it's a bit American, but Yeah, that's
3: what I think no, that's maybe. what it is. Maybe, out, but, it makes yeah. me feel really American.
1: Given my new job, I'm all four things Round. around. You
3: can calling it soccer. <laughs> We're not having no soccer on this podcast when I'm in the room, Sam.
1: Uh
4: okay. I don't care if people call it soccer, I call it what you want. <laughs> then that's the gauntlet lay down for next week. Yeah. You're gonna be introduced as the, the, the soccer, soccer social. correspondent. Yeah, the yeah, soccer yeah No social. Way. Yeah, yeah.
3: No. No. <laughs> um Right, Will. Another preview, and I'm sorry, I'm going to come to you. I just feel like I'm, I'm like, you know, prodding, uh, you know, your your rivals oh, they're yeah, in yeah. the Premier League. Well, it was you...
2: fantastic last week. Oh. My my flatmate's actually a Villa fan, so we sat and watched it together, and 45 minutes of bliss for him, and then 45 minutes of bliss for myself. So, <laughs> fantastic reintroduction. But I uh, know they got Bournemouth at home, but I'm just really interested to see how they get on. I've been a bit, I've defended them actually for. Everyone's comparing them to Fulham, but I think it was Christian Perslow, their director of football, who was on Sky this week talking about um, how they had 13 leave at the end of the season, eight, eight on a free and five on loan. Yep. So they they had to replace them whether they were in the Championship or Premier League. So I think that rumour can get dispelled, but they do look good. They've got a, That spine that they've got, I mean, Wesley's still to be um, vindicated in the Premier League, but the Grealish McGinn was getting linked with Man United, well... Depends on what publications you're reading. But um and then Tyrone Mings back further. So I think they've got a good spine and I just with with uh with Dean I think he he's very attack minded. I mean some of the games in the championship were on um, five five, there were four threes. Um so I do worry if if they've got that defensive backbone and um I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see them back in the championship, but if that has to happen, um it uh, does happen.
3: Obviously they played really well for a portion of the game last last weekend. Yeah. But uh, you know, playing Tottenham in your first your first game probably isn't a fair reflection of them do you think this game against Bournemouth is going to give us more of a chance to see how Villa might fare for the season
1: yeah well Bournemouth are a, another one of those teams like wildly inconsistent but more, more pronounced with Bournemouth because they'll win yeah. like I don't know five out of eight and then lose 14 in yeah. a row and, and then the beat Chelsea they're an odd side but, but they've got quality you know they are a Premier League side now is it five years in the, the soccer top flight no um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah I've got I, I, wish I, I wish I could deliver that so well I could have just carried on my train of thought but I couldn't it's at just all. going to take a bit
4: more practice but they've got yeah but they've got yeah I'll, I'll get it they've
1: got you know they've got goal scorers as well and that was Villa's problem last week just a little bit of naivety you know Grealish losing the ball on the edge yeah. of the box and the lesson of if the ball ricochets off a two defender. defenders and, and it, it lands at Harry Kane's feet you can to have that look their strikers Bournemouth strikers aren't Harry Kane but you know yeah. Wilson King they know, they know what it takes to score goals they'll going back to fantasy football, you know, this is the kind of game that you'd put them in and be confident they'll score goals in. So it's another really interesting game because, like you say, it wasn't a fair reflection of Villa last week because they played Spurs. But Bournemouth's going to be an interesting test. And Bournemouth, they weren't particularly creative at home Um, against Sheffield United. Again, we'll talk about Sheffield United later, but they kind of dug in and showed a bit more flexibility. They're not just, you know, free-flowing football um, to the extreme, to the point of being naive. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with when those two teams, what their approaches will be, I can see quite a lot of goals there, to be honest. I think both will be quite open.
4: I just think the interesting thing with Villa, just just quickly, is obviously, as you say, last weekend against Tottenham, it's obviously a difficult place to go, and obviously all the fanfare surrounded them being back in the top flight, and how are these players going to settle in? I think, to borrow a bit of a cliché, it's going to be a, measure of, a measurement of them against Eddie Howe's side. That Bournemouth are a team that promoted sides will look at and go, can we take some, you know, lessons from this? Can we can we copy certain things about the way they approach things in terms of professionalism, tactics, budgets, and and all that type of thing? But I think for Villa, what they've got, which maybe other promoted sides haven't had in previous seasons, they've got real pressure because of who they are, the size of club they are, the history they've got. Yeah being being based in in a big city like birmingham they're going to be under a different type of pressure the comparison with fulham is is a good one from last season because of money but fulham were never going to be under the same pressure that aston villa were going to be under it's a similar situation if leeds were promoted back to the premier league they're under a different type of pressure because fans of the clubs and and you know and fans from the wider footballing world will say well you're Aston Villa, you're Leeds United. You should be in the Premier League. So it'd be interesting to see how they manage that bit of pressure alongside the pressure of actually getting enough points to remain in the top flight.
2: If it's nil-nil tomorrow after thirty minutes, that will be obviously say toxic. That's very over the top, but I think there will be pressure on the team to to, to definitely go forward. And, and I do think Bournemouth will win tomorrow. Ooh. Not not just because of my obvious allegiances, but I think they'll pick apart Villa. their their naivety.
3: Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff at home for the Villa fans who will no doubt be celebrating seeing their team back in the Premier League and another team that will be doing that this weekend as well is Sheffield United. You play Palace on Sunday that's a 2 o'clock kick-off. What do we think about that game?
4: Um, I agree with Sam. I think they created a lot of problems for Bournemouth uh, last weekend. I think Real maturity, real professionalism to keep going right up until the last couple of minutes. And then obviously a bit of a fairy tale end to the game with Billy Sharp coming off the bench to score his 517,000th oh, goal in, in professional I football. I love the Billy Sharp um, story. I love it. And again, you know, it's it's nice to see these things every now and again. Sam mentioned four-back Ricochet's falling to Harry Kane. That that couldn't have fallen to a more perfect person in, in the Bournemouth penalty area than, than Billy Sharp to stick it away. Because I think Sheffield United created some nice chances but you know, struggle to really break in behind Bournemouth um, how they'll do this weekend at Bramall Lane I think will be completely different, their home form last season was the underpinning factor in them getting promoted teams find it very difficult to go there and get results, Chris Wilder's got a very specific if unusual way of playing that serves the players that he's got really well uh, he's stuck to his guns by and large in, in keeping the bulk of players that got them up most of them played uh, last weekend against Bournemouth and I think home advantage I think we will win the day this weekend for them, and I think you know, I you know, I'm throwing all the cliches out today. I, you know, I need to, I need to widen my widen my reading maybe in the next few days. But it is true of the point that they get at home will decide whether or not they stay up. That's that's a, almost a Premier League universal fact for for promoted sides. And Bramall Lane was always a difficult place to go when they're in uh, the Premier League last time under a Mr. Warnock. But, you know, the less said about him on this podcast, hopefully the better. Um, and I think that will be the, the case this time. Chris Wilder will, will look to make it a really difficult place to go and look to to get results there. And, and I think that will start this weekend um, against the uh, Palace side that, that really struggled in the first game of the season.
1: They don't have a lot of battle, do they, Palace? Um, a really uninspiring transfer window as well. You know, Gary Cahill and James McCarthy. And that's about it. You know, just are Fine is a bit more of an exciting name because it's foreign. But you know, in terms of actual playing style, there's not a lot about him. Um, it was almost like a 2012
4: all, transfer window that they in for. Yeah,
1: it just it's it just depends on Saha, doesn't it? Yeah.
4: And what, if, what do you, what
3: do you think about the Saha situation? Do you think well, he's gonna they're gonna have to play him, aren't they?
1: Yeah, of course they yeah. are, and he's gonna have to play. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think he's gonna go on strike for a few months until no, until so. January. He's gonna he's gonna have to play. Um, they'll play to his strengths on the counter attack. Um, which you know might might be good, but what I mean, this is the thing with Palace already this season. What are they going to hope for against Sheffield United? Uh, are they just going to dig in deep and yep. hope to hit them on the break through Zaha? Probably. Which against Sheffield United, it doesn't bode well really not, for the rest of the not, season, does not.
4: it? It doesn't set down a marker as as you say. If you, if you go into to Sheffield United, a newly promoted team, and it's just a case of, as Sam said, sit in, see if Zaha can catch them on the break, or Townsend can catch them on the break. It it sets a worrying precedent for what could then potentially turn into a bit of a disaster of
2: a season for Palace? Yeah, I think, well, wan is was a big loss. And then, yeah, it's just if there's going to be a drop-off in Zahar, you'd hope not. He's a professional, he's getting paid to go out there every week. But you've got to think, I mean, with his relationship with the chairman now that's that's been alleged, it's going to be some sort of drop off going forward and it's, it's not going to be the 3-2 uh, the sorry to bring it up like we had at the Etihad last season I think I think they'll be in real trouble
3: You're not sorry to bring that up at all are you? <laughs> well, I mean that, just the Townsend goal fantastic to say it. <laughs> Well I am really really excited to have um, Bramwell Lane and Villa Park overall back in the Premier League two grounds that I used to have a lot of fun at going to and I can't wait till uh, City visit them so I can get back to those grounds So coming up our very own Jim Salverson is going to be having a dive into the lovely wacky crazy maybe good world of var uh, i'm still kind of on the fence so we'll have a, a little see what jim's got to say about that and then we'll all have a chat we'll be back in a minute
2: premier league daily from sports social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode Sports Social.
3: Welcome back to Premier League Daily on Sports Social. My name is Natalie Pavalek, and I'm joined in the studio by Will from Sport, producer Fergil, and Sam from the. Athletic. I'm so sorry, Sam. I nearly forgot it there. The
1: soccer one. But it's
3: nice and new, isn't it? So nice and shiny. Nice and new and exciting, yeah. Check it out. Nice and shiny and new. So, um, in the first part of the show, we had a nice look back at the last weekend, and I'm not going to call them the first round of fixtures, Sam. I'm refusing. That last weekend's (laughs) game. And we had a look at, we previewed some of the games that will be coming up this weekend. But one thing that we haven't discussed as of yet, which was quite a big feature last weekend, actually, um, was the. New crazy world of VAR. Um, And as I said before the break, I'm still sitting on the fence with it. I'm still trying to sit on the fence with it. I'm still trying to stay open-minded to see how it goes. But our very own Jim Salverson has been diving into the world of VAR, and he's going to tell us a little more about it now.
5: Last weekend was the weekend that VAR crashed into the Premier League with all the grace and subtlety of Phil Bardsley at an Ibiza wedding. If anyone was left with any question marks as to whether video refereeing would be a controversial topic this coming season, then that uncertainty was ended pretty swiftly as West Ham's clash versus Manchester City encountered more pausing, rewinding and slow motion than the time I hired Basic Instinct from a local blockbuster whilst my parents were out. There was a goal ruled out because the stitching on Raheem Sterling's shirt was in an advantageous position and a penalty that had to be retaken because a player encroached into the box, as well as a load of other things that I'd love to tell you about, but I wasn't able to follow any of what was going on because I was in a busy pub with the sound off and couldn't hear the commentary to explain it, which also meant I couldn't hear the West Ham fans crying at the end of the game, so not all bad. Suffice to say, everyone around me seemed a little bit upset, and now I know why the VAR officials are holed up in that infamous studio somewhere near Heathrow Airport. It's so they can make a quick getaway when it all inevitably kicks off. I could have written a load of jokes about VAR here, but they wouldn't be nearly as funny as the joke of VAR itself, or the level of anger and outrage that the technology seems to be causing. After the match, Twitter went into meltdown about how it was ruining the game. Over 50% of Match the Day I reckon was spent talking about the decisions that were made. A plague of locusts invaded Premier League HQ, hell froze over, rivers boiled. It was the end of the footballing world. But it also turns out that actually all the decisions that were adjudicated by VAR were judged correctly by the laws of the game. So we can all get angry, we can all shout about it on social media, and we can all say how technology is ruining the game, but begrudgingly, you have to concede that VAR did everything it was intended to do. You know that mate you've got that when you were watching the new Star Wars films would point out all the loopholes in the plot, and how some bits didn't quite tally with the original movies? VAR is that mate. Strictly speaking, they're right, but it still doesn't stop him being a bell-end. You can find more from On The Left Side in our weekly podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Right, Will, straight over to you. What do you think of our... Do you like it? Is it going to improve the game? Is it going to hinder the game? What do you think?
2: Um, I do like it just because uh, we work in football media and for something that was supposed to prevent talking points and be clear-cut, I think it's providing more talking points. Uh, Last weekend... I was sort of on the fence. I mean, you'll have a different opinion to me, but people in our group chat were saying Raheem Sterling was only slightly off, so he should be given the chance. But then is it a matter of fact that he's offside? So, I mean, it's just just going to keep rumbling on and rumbling on. When it was at the World Cup, I think the implementation of it was fantastic. And if we get more penalties and more goals, that's great of it. But yeah, it's just a bit of a weird one, isn't it, Sam?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I'm probably going to look stupid in a couple of years when it works fine, but I just hate it. Uh, oh later. do you like, and when you were saying you were sitting on the fence I thought fair play to for, to keeping an open mind through all of this rubbish
2: well I'm in the it's champ- just
1: rubbish like mer- yeah the World Cup I actually thought oh this might work yeah but since then and there's a like, lot there seems to be there's different interpretations for the Champions League the Premier League you know goalkeepers coming off their line isn't actually going to be monitored in one but it is in the other it's just a mess it's a proper mess the, uh, the Sterling offside was a joke
3: well, like, wasn't like, it yeah wasn't the, it yeah
1: it was but the thing is There's two sides of the debate and the problem is you can be like me and think well it ruins the spirit of football and it it disrupts the flow of the game and that's right in my opinion but the other people can say well you know, we we don't want errors in the game it's the way forward so we need to work with technology and to be fair that's right as well but it's just just, it needs sorting out it needs fixing it's not so much VAR to be fair but you know the offside law it needs clearing up what is you know is that shoulder offside is that an advantage I don't think so even the can of worms even the Aguero one last year against Spurs he was, he was running away from the goal I know yeah. that's still offside but there's no advantage if you're running away from the goal the whole point of it being offside and getting an advantage is, is you're nearer the goal than the yep. opponent. He had to go further the, the away entire, to come and get the ball. You
4: know, the entire advantage argument. That's that's what's been done. I just think the it's, it's, it's going to be even more difficult as the season progresses. There was obviously two massive decisions. Jim's touched on it. Sam's touched on it. The the Sterling offside and then the uh, penalty decision where Lucas Fabianski came off his line too early and Aguero to retake his penalty. The amazing thing is, in the kind of context of the VAR, when we've seen it used in international tournaments, those two decisions are nothing for what's going to come because we've seen you know, two incidents in a game where City have won 5-0, and City fans will obviously be a little bit aggrieved that things weren't clear, but you'd have to be pretty miserable to say, oh, I'm annoyed about this, and we won 5-0. What's going to happen when it's Man City-Man United or Man City-Liverpool and, I don't know, Salah's toenail is offside or, or Aguero's elbow is offside or not offside, and that's what's going to happen. There's, there's a precedent been set here where there's going to be an enormous decision in an enormous game at some stage this season we've had a little taste of it last weekend West Ham game there was bits in the Manchester United Chelsea game as well but it's only going to get bigger it's only going to get bigger you know the monster has been created already and that's going to just grow and grow and grow as the season progresses? I
3: think I'm trying to stay sitting on the fence because I feel like if I go on one side of it, people are just going to think I'm, I'm bitter or I'm, you know, um, it's because of my... Yeah, or mad, because it's my club, because my club has already been affected by VAR decisions. Hmm. And obviously, don't want to go back to last season, but, you know, the, um, the Tottenham goal in the Champions League game was still a proper dodgy decision with VAR. Like, so, I mean, my club has already been affected by VAR, but I am sitting on the... Fence because yep. I do like I the idea right, that it, it could improve the game, but I think my problem with it is, even with technology, the human error problem on it is gonna is gonna be what affects far.
2: Yeah, well, I think I know why I like it. It's because I'm watching Championship football every week. We've not got the technology, so I'm coming in with like open eyes and really enjoying all the carnage that it's creating in the Premier League.
3: <laughs> so we're a bit. All over the place in the studio. Sam hates it. I'm on the fence. <laughs> Will likes it. I love it. Fergil, where are you? Are you going to be just, the deciding? I, I just,
4: I just think someone's going to get their, get their, get their fingers burnt this season. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm with you on the fence, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the drama already of when someone <sighs> gets their fingers burnt. I'm not. I feel like it's going to be us again. <laughs> um,
3: well, I actually have a four-page document about VAR that I need to read this evening. Um, we, so that I can explain to everybody at the Etihad what is going to happen if something comes up on the screens. So that is fun. That is something I'm looking forward to reading. And mm. hopefully we won't be talking about it again in a couple of weeks because that is my worry as well. I feel like we might end up just talking about VAR all season season and um, I don't think that would be a good thing. Um, So we are coming, sort of getting towards the end um, of of our podcast, and you might have noticed we haven't previewed City Spurs yet, and I'm not going to let us get away with that yet. So we've got to have a little preview of the City Spurs game, probably, you know, arguably the biggest game of the season. Obviously, we, City, have had um, some cracking games against Spurs, um, you know, in the last few years. We have won the last four games we've played against Spurs in the Premier League, um, and Spurs have actually only taken and four points off City out of the last nine Premier League games. That's my little stato bit done. Um, but Will, what do you think about the game this weekend?
2: Um, well, I hope we get the sort of Champions League games in terms of entertainment. I mean, purely as a neutral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for you guys, but yeah, in terms of the Premier League, I think we've talking before and they've both been 1-0. So for the entertainment factor, I hope we get the, the Champions League bonanza. But I, yeah, I do think City, are gonna, it depends what Potch does with Ericsson if he's going to sort of stick to his guns and keep Ericsson on the bench and just sort of uh, sort of scold him for talking out in the summer and trying to want away from Spurs but obviously his quality was on show when he came on and turned the game around for them so I think if Ericsson starts it'll be a different game um, I think it'll be a lot closer but yeah, I'm, I'm sat in a room full of City fans, and I do think City will win. And, but that's nothing to do with your influence. <laughs> Thank Slightly. you. Slightly, <laughs> maybe a little bit. There's only Thank one you. City fan in here, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, It's just, right. just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
3: just me. I'm just fine. You're loud. on safe ground, don't
2: worry. Yeah, thing. you're all right. It's, it's a safe place, to be
3: honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I feel safe now. Sam?
1: It's going to be a good game. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Um, there's going to be opportunities for Spurs. There's a few interesting things about who Guardiola's going to pick. Who's going to be the number nine? Is Mara's going to stay in the team? Is Bernardo Silva going to come back in? Do you stick with Rodri, who's been good, but has been caught on the ball a couple of times? And do you, like, in the next few games that you've yep. got against non-top six teams, give them a bit of time to bet in? Do you want to risk it against Spurs, who are going to be pressing in that area? You've got Ndombele, who was really good at that when he was at Leon last season. Um, are you going to play Stone to centre-back? Do you bring Fernandinho? Do you potentially try the Fernandinho experiment tomorrow? Maybe a bit early. Do you bring him in instead of Rodri? So, there's enough. There's enough there, and as you mentioned, the Champions League game. You know, Spurs took the game to City. They forced a couple of mistakes. It's going to be that kind of City defensive midfield area, and and Spurs is, you know, muscular threat around there. Sissoko and Kane dropping deep, making it difficult. There's, you know, there's going to be chances I think for Spurs, but there's going to be chances as well for City. They always um, create a load of spaces out wide against Spurs, well, against everyone, against but everyone. definitely. Yeah. Against, yeah. But but it's more of, you know, it's more of a challenge against Spurs. Um, but you know this this year Trippier had a bad game last year but it's Walker-Peters he's you know good but inexperienced and you think City would relish that um, Spurs is left back you never kind of know if, if it's well you never know which one it's going to be Rose yeah. or Davis um, you know and then if it is Rose you never know what kind of day he's yeah. going to have a good one or a bad one um, so yeah I'm expecting City to win I think Sterling was mentioned as a fantasy football tip earlier on and wouldn't be surprised if he got another two goals Yeah, because he's he's on fire at the moment and the way City the way well Again, like I mentioned right at the start, they play like they have done last season and the season before. They're continuous, you know, they they don't really change. They just get slightly better each week. Um, So, yeah, the way they're playing, the way Sterling's playing, it's all kind of set up for City to win. I think think it might be quite tight. I think Spurs are going to have chances. They may well score, but I think City are going to score a few themselves.
4: It's not necessarily a slight on Spurs, but I think, you know, it's so easy to just be kind of... Coy about how good City were against West Ham. Tottenham, it took that last twenty minutes for them to turn it on against Villa. I definitely got the sense watching the Tottenham Villa game that if Villa had scored a second one, I think they'd have won. You know, I don't think. I think it was only really that ability of Kane to just be in the right place and be so deadly when the ball's in and around the six yard box that, that decided it for for Tottenham, swinging it in, in in their direction. I think for City, we're looking at a Tottenham team. Uh, Sung Hyun Min's not playing, he's suspended. There's no Dele Alli in midfield who tends to play quite well against City. Yeah, he was good he good really ruffles feathers in between um, defence and midfield. It is, it's just going to be so much reliance on Kane. If Kane can get the better of Stones or Laporte, if he can if he can engineer that bit of space for himself. I think in midfield, if Spurs look to go too heavy-handed, if you play Sissoko, Ndombele and Wanyama, which they may possibly, there's talk of Harry Wink's being left out because they want to kind of boss City in that area... We know that while City won't match them physically, they've got the better ball players in that sense. And if and if you know David Silver's able to get on the ball, if Roger's able to get on the ball, Kevin De Bruyne, it doesn't matter how much Harry in and, and how much kind of aggression Tottenham put into that midfield, City will find the gaps and, and look to pick them off. And Guardiola's a big advocate of that. If If people want to mix it, if they want to add that physical level to the game, he's happy for his players to do that. But he knows that... In that city side, particularly in the midfield, they've got the players to just pick around Tottenham. And I think, you know, it's not going to be another West Ham, obviously, but I think this is going to be relatively comfortable for City. I think Tottenham looked a little bit off color first game of the season. Villa were fresh, Villa were, were bright. It was a big long ball up from from defense that caught them out. And you know, City, if City can get on the ball, if Tottenham can get caught out by a big ball up front from Tyrone Mings, then how are we going to cope against Silver, Silver One, <laughs> Silver Two, De Bruyne? Sergio Aguero running behind, I think I think it could cause real problems for them and, and potentially even though it's at this early stage of the season set Tottenham up for a, for a bit of a tough spell because, you know, Jurgen Klopp said it right at the start of the season, a draw here and there will decide the title race this season if Tottenham lose against Man City this weekend, that could be them paying some serious amount of catch-up in the weeks to come Guardiola will have
1: something up his sleeve as well, won't he? It's a big game, I don't think it will go radical, but There'll be something in there that people will be looking at the team sheet half four going.
0: Why is he I'll do. Yeah.
1: I've got. A, I mean, I've. I've got a hunch based on absolutely nothing. and This might be nonsense. I wouldn't be surprised if you played Sterling down the middle, put Bernardo Silva in instead of Gabriel Jesus from last week's team, yeah. and kept Mares in, and then you kind of everyone's happy. Then
2: see now the the big problem from the two strikers on the bench. I've got <laughs> I've got Kane as captain, but after listening to you, Sam, I might go Sterling.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, it's always worth having oh, Sterling now, captain. Well. To be fair, yeah, right? yeah. 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 Yeah, can't definitely. go wrong, can I? Is that yeah. a full
4: house for City win? Yeah, I think they'll win. I yeah. think
1: I think it'll be a, a tight game, a difficult game, but I think they'll win.
4: And
3: Captain Raheem in your, in your fantasy team. <laughs> so, a oh, way to end the podcast today. Well, thank you very much for listening. Um, we do hope you've enjoyed the show. It's our first podcast as a little team for this season. Um, so so thank you very much, gents, for for your time. Thank you for being here. I uh, Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Unless you're a Spurs fan, of course. Then I hope you really, really don't. Um, and keep listening to to Premier League Daily on Sports
2: premier league daily from sports social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode i love my club every match the manager every player who's pulled on the shirt don't just talk to me about football talk to me about my one and only i love my club but i don't love them up the
5: road listen to daily smart speaker updates for your premier league team and your team only With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social, and choose your team.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.